Welcome to a Delco Nerd Network podcast. I am your host, Anthony Riguchi, and this is Replay, Relive, and Reexperience, or as we like to call it, Re3s, where you guessed it, we do all three of those things to our favorite video game series. In this edition of Re3, we'll be replaying, reliving, and reexperiencing the Halo franchise, starting with Halo Combat Evolved and ending with Halo 5 Guardians in anticipation for Halo Infinite. Here to go on Master Chief Saga with me. As always, you know him. The triple threat himself, Chris Trio. We're back. And Gino. And Gino, and Gino himself. <laughs> and Gino. But no, our guest for the this long uh, series of podcasts, Chris Gaddis, Delco Zone. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be back. Yeah, yeah it's been a few weeks since we recorded. Three mm-hmm. weeks, I think. At least, so, I'd, I'd say, yeah, like, really. It's, wow. Yeah, it's been a minute. As See, say, as I, the kids know, say. I don't mind like taking the break in between. I didn't games. mind it I all. Like I didn't feel like that. One. And we needed that like one long. weekend off. I'm it not felt gonna long lie. for me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed having that weekend off too. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that one did, Sunday we, we did skipped. The Snyder cut last week. Yeah. That's out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but anyway, we're not here to talk about this is Zack Snyder's. Can I just do a, t- a takeaway? <laughs> Hold on. What? John this weekend was like, Gooch will not shut the fuck up about the Snyder Cut. It's like, it's just like every time I join the chat, John, you watch the Snyder Cut yet? John, what's going on? <laughs> it made me laugh so fucking hard. I was like, I was like well, he's on it. Well, I like, guess. he like, watched it before. No, he did I watch did. it. Yeah, no. And, yeah, I was, he, and I was just like, genuinely, like, as somebody who, like, I would not no, expect he to was watch not, that. It was just more funny than anything. I Shout out to it. John Hughes. Shout out to John Hughes. My Apex uh, partner, yep. as, as they partner call Partner in crime. As they yeah. say. All right. Halo 2. Let's do it. Let's get into it. So just like we did with Halo CE, and if you haven't watched their Halo Combat Evolve stuff yet, make sure you watch that. I mean, you could probably start here, but like... Yeah, you wherever know, you feel like get, it. Start at the beginning. Yeah. You know, play along you're not, with you us. Do it read, to it. You don't start at chapter two of a book. You start at chapter one. <laughs> Unless you're a psychopath. That's but, all I'm going to say. Uh, like we did with the first episode... Um, this is episode six. We're going to be doing the introduction to Halo 2, as well as the Heretic, the Armory, which are tutorial... Uh, cutscene levels and then Cairo station. So let's talk about Halo 2's development. Uh, for some reason, I have in between Halo Combat Evolved and 2. Well, no shit. That's when this <laughs> game was developed. <laughs> it's a little redundant. All right. So Halo was never planned as a trilogy, but the critical commercial success of Combat Evolved, selling more than 5 million copies in three years, made a sequel expected. Xbox general manager Jay Allard confirmed Halo 2 was in production at E3. In 20... 2002. Thank you. You're it's really tough. Yeah. You're really, I say Going 2005 back. and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 it's like, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that was planned to be released in 2003. Many of Bungie wanted a sequel building on the cut ideas of Combat Evolved uh, be, and being the follow-up to be more ambi- ambitious. The, the added publisher support for a sequel allowed greater leeway and the ability to return to more ambitious ideas lost in Combat Evolved's development. Not to satisfy with merely adding back to cut content to the sequel, designer Jamie 
Grishmir, Grishmire, Grishmir, Mer, Grishmir, Grishmir. I'm gonna go with that. Go for it. Recalled that the team tripled everything, rebuilding the game engine, changing the physics engine, and prototyping a system for stencil shadow volumes the game's development would suffer from a lack of clear leadership early development discussions happened in small unconnected teams that did not talk with each other jason jones who had been exhausted from shipping combat evolved similarly burned out during halo 2's production jones left the project to work on another bungee game phoenix leaving fewer leaving fewer people to work on halo 2 um, Bungie co-founder Alex Seropian left Bungie in 2002, causing additional friction and politics within the workplace where Seropian had once meditated tensions. So Doesn't it's pretty interesting to hear that Bungie, coming off of Halo 1, mm-hmm. is in rocky water with development for, like, Which you know, is, the biggest sequel It really is interesting yeah. to hear that they were like, nah, this isn't going to do a sequel. Why would we even think about a sequel? Because mm-hmm. like, they were just like, it makes sense. They were just like, let's just get the first game done. Yeah. And then there was this amazing right. outreach out, or outcry. I'm, I'm curious how many new IP projects come onto the scene and be like, yeah, we're anticipating we're a three-game Especially back, I mean, I think that probably happens more today. Right, no, I meant But today. back at that time, for sure, I think was probably not that often. Yeah, you were yeah. developing a one-and-done game. Yeah, you just, as far guess, as you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no way to anticipate sales. All right. The story of Halo 2 grew out of all the elements that were not seen in Combat Evolved. Jason Jones organizes core ideas for the sequel story and approached Joseph Staten uh, for input. According to Staten, among the elements that did not make it into the finished game was a horrible betrayal scene where Miranda Key straps a bomb to Master Chief's back and throws him into a hole in revenge for her father's death. Jason was going through a rather difficult breakup at the time. And I think that had something to do with it, he said. <laughs> interesting. That's uh You psychopath. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I don't and, know about that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I like Miranda Keys the way she is mm-hmm. as being a very supportive character, character yeah. in both two and three. I could not imagine I don't think her besides, making the turn of I don't like, think fuck anyone you. really like turns on the UNSC. No, they seem to be the clear Halsey good guys. To is, them, yeah. is like kind of like in this gray area, bad good guy. But like, I don't think she like necessarily just like, yeah, fuck the UNSC. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this game. Yeah, for sure. No, like, yeah. like, like it's crazy just off the bat. I mean, we'll get into it. when We actually get into the, like the level, but just off the bat, how much they're like, we're, we're showing you a lot. We're doing a lot. We're keeping it moving, especially compared to those first couple levels of Halo. Halo Halo yeah. Oh, I was yeah. like. But Lots of story. Absolutely. Lots of no, really. That's what Bungie's good at. They are. They're and it's making especially worlds this one. Stuff like that. Absolutely. Staten and Jamie uh, Greismer. Jeez, I'm going to struggle with that one this whole I, time. I say Every just time. commit Greismer. 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 Yeah. But I'm going to like forget when and I if get it's, to yeah, it. If it's wrong, sorry, Greismer. Uh, they discuss seeing the war from the Covenant perspective, forming an idea to have part of the game told from the perspective of Covenant warrior known as the Dervish. Late in development, the Dervish became the arbiter after legal teams of Microsoft were afraid the game was sending a message about Islam. So what hmm. was, I assume Dervish was a Islam, like an Islamic term? Dervish, from what I understand, a whirling Dervish is a dancer. Um, I'm going to do some Googling. You can yes, I, I know the 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 term dervish is definitely like Middle Eastern for sure. Uh-huh. As to anything else, I I will not speak to it. But as you're Googling, I will continue. In okay. Febu- well, uh, got it. it. Okay, got so it. dervish, it's a, na- uh, a noun, a member of a Muslim specifically uh, Su- Sufi? Sufi. Thought, yeah. Sufi. Sufi. Sufi Muslims. Sufi yeah. uh, religious order who has taken vows of poverty and austerity. Dervishes first appeared in the 12th century. 
they were noted for their wild uh, or aesthetic. Aesthetic? Uh, or I get maybe no. Eccentric? E E C S T A T I C. Is that ecstatic? Aesthetic. Mm. Oh, no, wait, like no, no, no. Ecstatic. Oh, you're right. It's ecstatic. Why it's am I overreading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ecstatic. <laughs> Please, for God's sakes, uh, uh, let me apologize. That was terrible. All right, anyways, ecstatic rituals that were known as dancing, whirling, howling, or howling dervishes. Yeah. According to the practice of their order, so but it is a it is an Islamic term that mm -hmm. is interesting. Okay, in February 2003, Bungie began de development on a gameplay demonstration for E3 2003. This is interesting. Okay, this is very relevant to to right now, and you'll you'll probably see why when I read through this. Love it. The demo, which was the first gameplay seen by the public, showcased new enemies and abilities. Many elements of the trailer, however, were not game ready. The entire graphics engine used in the footage had to be discarded. The trailer's environment never appeared in the final game due to limitations of how big the game environments could be. Elements like vehicle hijacking were entirely scripted in order to keep performance at an acceptable level. The restructuring of the engine meant that there was no playable build for Halo 2 for nearly a year, and assets and environments produced by the art and design teams could not be prototyped. Bottlenecking development, Greishmer recalled. So they were moving backwards after E3. So they show this gameplay demo, but this demo is horseshit. Wow, yeah. that sounds a little bit like a game that just came out quite recently. What is it called? Assassin. Wait, no, that's not correct. Cyberpunk? Yeah. What, wait, where are you going with Assassin's Creed? I was just No, I don't know. I was, uh, I was just. I was like, I was what's your dig here? Game. No. Um, yeah, exactly what happened with Cyberpunk. But like, realistically, I feel like every time this comes up of something like this, it's like E3 demos are notoriously a little shysty. Yeah. yeah, like there's no way. They're like they're this alpha footage build. Like they're this really like sure they're they're based off alpha gameplay, but like they're they're polished so you can't tell. Absolutely. Um and they're so, running off the best hardware possible too, usually in those right. demos, right? And yeah, I mean right. I get I mean, I they're not running off like dev kits or anything, because it's not like next gen, whereas like now we're I mean I mean, I guess like a year ago companies had the kits that we didn't have access to sure it was like to a develop. whole different absolutely game. yeah yeah uh, have, actually no that's a whole nother problem that would be an actual so they worked on this thing for two years and then they scrapped it so they're pretty much after the c3 demo they're picking up from scratch after like doing all this work for this demo for like two years mm -hmm. in in order to ship this game bungie began pairing back their ambitions for single and multiplayer parts of the game all other Bungie products, including Phoenix, were canceled, with their teams folding into Halo 2 to complete the game. The campaign was completely rethought and reimagined, or sorry, the campaign completely rethought and remained unplayable for more than a year while the multiplayer was being developed. Ultimately, a third act where Master Chief and the Arbiter came together on Earth to defeat the Prophets was cut entirely. Wow. Stanton hoped the resulting cliffhanger would be treated like the end of The Empire Strikes Back, which huh. it, it kind of That is, is yeah. cool. Yeah. It kind of played... I think that played out pretty well. Absolutely. Halo 2 does end kind of abruptly, but, like, I don't think it's a bad thing. Don't, don't even tell me how it does, because I don't remember. But I don't remember okay. that at all. That's I, I remember there's obviously the long Warthog run at the end of some kind. But, uh, yeah. Uh, is there? I don't know. Oh, God damn you. <laughs> planned, planned vehicles such as variants of the Warthog and all-terrain vehicle were scrapped. With single-player mode in trouble, very little had been done with the large warfare multiplayer mode. Eventually, the entire warfare mode was cut, and Hob... I guess they're... What's up? Oh, no, I was just gonna... I... 
You um, had well, I didn't mean to interrupt. Wait, wait, this wait, 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 continue your thing. That's yeah. Okay. There was a guy's name that's like uh, that. I probably cut out. Okay. So Haberman, who I guess is a multiplayer lead, small team project became shipping multiplayer suite. Engineer Chris Butcher commented, "For Halo Two, we had our sights set very high on networking. Sorry for my phone. <laughs> we had our." For Halo 2, we had our sights set very high on networking. Going from no internet multiplayer to developing a completely new online model was a big challenge to tackle uh, all at once. And it, as a result, we had to leave a lot of things undone in order to meet the ship date. Yes, hmm. what was your hand raised for? Oh, no, it just blows. So this was all happening after they had already first showcased the first demo. Yeah. I just want to make sure I was clear on that. Okay, yeah. that's fucking So insane, this is but... E3 2002... So we're when talking was about holiday two thousand three. I think the game gets delayed. When was the um, game's release? I I'll we'll get there. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I, yeah. I forgot my, off the top of my head. Yeah, so outside of Bungie, um oh, I, Combat Evolved success had become a problem for Halo 2's development as the success of Xbox platformers riding on Halo. Microsoft originally pressured Bungie to have the game as ready as for a launch title for Xbox Live in November two thousand two, which Bungie employees told them was impossible. At one point, Microsoft executives had a vote of whether to force Bungie to ship an incomplete game or give them another year of development time. Microsoft Studios had Ed Fries walked out of the vote and threatened to resign to get Bungie extra time. How That's is, nuts. I don't know how this is like for well, a popular company... It just blows Especially my mind now. with all this stuff that's going on. And, in the but background. like the gaming industry is, is it's so such a different it, beast now. Right. It really it, is. It's such a it's just a shell of well, what Well imagine it, what like it was, you're you're a fucking you know? board member back in or what it two thousand yeah, two thousand four for Microsoft. They come in, they're like, We need to finish this video game. They're What's fled, their fledgling console and games department yes. is probably not like you know, Phil not Spencer's the not no, there. Yeah. Yeah. Larry Herb isn't but also, there. Like, like, you got, those like, faces aren't there yet. You got these people, like, they're like video games. That, those things that sell for not that much and have barely any return. They, they have Video games is not a proven medium by any point at this, like, at least to the degree that we have it now. But, like, they were probably like, no, just shit, fuck it. These these people I, won't care I if think it's Halo's incomplete. big in the pop culture zeitgeist, but, like, as for the... Like the mainstream, I don't know. Yeah, it's not there yet. I don't think yeah, people aren't taking video so. yeah, seriously. Not, like not as like. So yeah. it kind of makes sense that as a company, they're like corporate companies are shitty. I would yeah. argue that the like maybe PC gaming is is up there. You know, by like, that point, you think by that point, yeah. Interesting. When everyone's playing. To be honest, Doom, like, Unreal Tournament. No, I guess that that's true. Yeah, you got all those multi. So there but is. This wasn't. It's still. I guess. Yeah, know, it's probably PC. not. Right, we're talking as about literally, literally yeah. the beginning of Xbox Live. Yeah. Halo Two was like the first title. You know, yes. we got to remember that. I mean, we're, we're not going to be playing. Mul I mean, obviously, we're not going to be playing the multiplayer for Halo Two, but we can't really forget that like Halo Two was like the big surge for multiplayer on console. Absolutely. So, missing the Xbox last holiday launch uh, season before its successor console, the Xbox 360 shipped was not. Wait. Missing the Xbox's last holiday season before its successor, the Xbox 360 shipped was not an option. So they didn't. This was the last holiday season. They couldn't push it back. They'd be in the it Xbox. Need, it needs to come out, right? Interesting. Uh, so to hit its new November 9th, two thousand four release date, Bungie went into mother of all crunches in order to finish this game. A lot of people sacrificed themselves in ways they should never have to do for a job. Design lead Paul Bertone recalled. He kenneled his dog for nearly two months and slept in the office for the final days of development. Grish. 
Greichmer said that the lack of a polish period near the end of development cycle was the main reason for Halo's two shortcomings. Butcher retrospectively described Halo 2's multiplayer mode as a pale shadow of what it could and should have been. Uh, due to the tight schedule, the campaign modes of Brunt Cliffhanger also resulted from the frenzy to ship on time. It baffles me that they like think of this game so so negative so negatively when yeah. people love it very fondly look yeah, back very, on it. I feel like yeah. I guess it was just like obviously with the Xbox Live and just people being able to play with their friends. I mean, I think it, that, that's really helped. it's kind of shitty, but. It worked out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, let's not like Cyberpunk, where like you have they are getting a troubled development, and then it ships and it sucks. They had a troubled development, and it just made them even more money. Yeah. So and, it's, you know the fruits of their labor kind of paid off. Yeah, and it's I also mean, I'm hard not saying to know that, that the it's crunch, a good. The crunch was okay, but you know, Gooch, I think you are saying that crunch know. is okay. Crunch <laughs> culture. <laughs> no, I I completely agree. It's weird that like, but again, that's how everything works. I feel like like. Just as a broad exit, like just when it comes to Star Wars, like they had no plan for those trilogies. But if it worked out and people liked what it, they did, it wouldn't matter. But oh, now yeah. that people don't necessarily like those movies, they look it back matters. and they're like, you had no plan? Yeah. What the fuck were you doing? So yeah. like yeah. It, it, people then start to care. So it's interesting to see with this that that did work in that direction mm -hmm. for them. Halo 2's release was part of a shift towards blockbuster gaming releases. In 2004, the video game industry estimated to grow $7.6 billion in the, in the U.S., behind the $9.4 billion gross of domestic box office sales. Halo 2's success was seen as by the press as evidence of a generational shift in entertainment. The CBC's Greg Bolton remarked that prior to Halo 2's splashy release, the video game industry hadn't been yet found a recognizable public face, a universal acclaimed megastar, the ringer called Halo 2, the birth of the video game as we know it today, a mass shared experience, and credited with birthing modern multiplayer infrastructure and popularizing American esports. I got one more paragraph. <laughs> Halo 2's matchmaking technology was one of the turning points in the video game industry in the 2000s, setting a new standard for, for games, for other games. G4's Sterling McGarvey wrote that Bungie's sequel was shot in the arm, was shot in the arm for Xbox Live subscriptions and previewed many of the features that would set the standard for Microsoft's online service on the next machine. Critics credited the game with bringing online multiplayer to the console masses and serving as Xbox Live's killer app. The province's Paul Chapman wrote, games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 would not have been in as enjoyable if Halo 2 had not gr broke ground. So Halo 1 breaks ground as Xbox killer app for campaign. Yeah. Halo 2 does the same thing, but for multiplayer. Multiplayer, multiplayer yeah. yeah. And was it like, was the campaign ill-received when it came out? Like, no, was it, that's what I, I thought. So, so. Like, People like it. Because it is yeah. interesting to, like, Halo, to just Halo hear them. Halo 2 is pretty well That's liked. what I thought. I, I even remember having very fond memories of the ending. So that's why it's just interesting to hear them talking back and being so, like, we had this cliffhanger that we had to cut off in the last moment. But yeah. What a great segue, Trio. Let's talk about our experiences with Halo 2. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I mean, I just it. remember... I remember playing co-op on this game. I remember trying to beat it with Legendary with my friend when I was younger. I remember just having a great time with it. I remember truly like going back through just the beginning couple levels, like that the scene with the Arbiter when you first get introduced to him, when you're seeing these kind of events unfold. And even like it's so cool to be able to look in between uh, the new gen graphics or like the updated yeah, graphics. You couldn't mid do that in combat mid cut scene. Yeah, and switching it back and forth. It really cool. is cool. But even like I'm looking back, like even the first. Uh, scene at the end of the first training level when i mean we'll get into it but when chief has that 
great moment when he shoots out of the fucking airlock. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is so good. I remember this. Like, I just, yeah. it brought me right back. And I, I love this game. And I, it, just the start, I'm, I'm already in. Wait, Halo 1 was a bit of a slog or, or combat evolved. But this, the first three levels I shot through in no time at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Gaddis, please. Yeah. I mean, I still didn't have an Xbox. <laughs> still, I don't think I got, I didn't get my Xbox till like 2007. So around the time Halo Three and, yeah, and, and like Modern Warfare. So you didn't really, you weren't like going over friends and playing it. I, I don't really remember Halo Two as much. So honestly, I I actually have the same sort of issue, especially the campaign. Yeah, definitely. That, Halo Two is really my weak spot of Halo. Yep. It's not a it's not a game that I played a lot of the campaign with at people's houses. I do remember playing a lot of multiplayer, mm-hmm. um, LAN specifically, but. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I really don't, like, Halo 2, even going back and playing, it's like, I I know what happens, and I know, like, the main beats, but sometimes, like, I forget the finer details, unlike Halo 1, where I know that game down pat. Yeah. Same with, like, Halo 3. That's, like, yeah, like Halo, so Halo 2 is this sort of, like, gray spot for me, where yes. I just, I just don't, I didn't play the campaign again as a kid, so I don't really have this, like, If I played it, I played much. it once, and it's all sure. a blur to me, so. Interesting. Right. All right, so release information. This game was released on November 9th of 2004. It was also released on Windows on November 9th, 2007, Xbox One, Series X, and PC in the Halo 2 uh, anniversary on the Master Chief Collection on November 11th, uh, 2014, and then on PC on December 3rd, 2019. So that is how you can play it. As always, we're playing it on the Master Chief Collection. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Gaddis is on PC. And then me and Trio are on Series Xbox X. Series X's. Yep. All right. Let's jump in. The Heretic. Our first level, which is not really a level. The synopsis is the Heretic is the first campaign level of Halo 2 and consists entirely of cinematics and depicts Thel Vadimi's hearing on high charity and Master Chief receiving his Mjolnir Mark VI armor. So, um, in the Master Chief Collection version, we get that intro that halo 5 cutscene sort of thrown into the beginning of halo 2 i wasn't going to talk about it other than the fact that it happens yeah we're, yeah, gonna, I mean, we're gonna hit it. it you're playing it on the master chief collection you're gonna see it yeah, obviously. and and just like halo combat evolved was anniversary was the lead up into four mm-hmm. this anniversary halo 2's anniversary is the lead up into halo 5 yes so they and they do the same treatment with the the terminals the terminals are connected to halo 5 and I think most of them are in Locke's perspective, if I remember I think correctly. So. Yeah. Um, I you know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm mm. probably wrong. It's like him narrating over uh the first one's him narrating over Velvatomy. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting by the did I I'm sorry if I just missed no, this. Was with the with the opening cutscene. I think I talked about this on Halo's Combat Evolved. I was like, that threw me off when I started Definitely. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like Yeah, you do you mentioned Yeah, that. I was like, yeah. what is going on? Um, and I was like, Oh no, I am playing Halo 2. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Is this Halo 5? Yeah. Alright, so we fade in on the broken pieces of Installation 4. Still burning, groups of Covenant CCS-class battlecruisers prowl among them. An assault carrier flies by, and the camera pans within to a giant Covenant structure. Covenant Holy City High Charity. Ninth Age of Reclamation, October 20th, 2552. So we are about a month month, after the events of uh, Halo Combat Evolved. Gotcha. So... 
this is probably a little weird that we didn't talk about it in the last game, but we really didn't get into the Covenant. And the reason I didn't is because we don't really have a lot of information about the Covenant in that game. Yeah, next to none. This really. is like, yeah. 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 this like game is opening shoot. up on Covenant lore. So yeah, yeah. let's talk about it. Who are the Covenant? The Covenant Empire, also referred to simply as the Covenant, was a theocratical homogen homogeny homogenous homogeny 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 made up of multiple alien species that maintained control over a large portion of the orion arm in the milky way galaxy the covenant was a political military and religious affiliation originally a mutual alliance between the sansuman and the sangheli the sansuman are the prophets following a brutal conflict, uh, conflict between the two warring races. Its expansion to include at least six other races united in the worship of the Forerunners and the Halo Array soon began after the original formation. The Covenant waged a genocidal campaign against humanity until they were formally defeated due to many factors, the most crucial of which was internal conflict that broke between the, the Covenant in two. For, in two. Sorry, yeah. Uh, that in the, the, the commas can get me something like it's yeah. a, I hear what you, I got you. The, let me let me just start the most crucial of which was an internal conflict that broke the covenant into comma forcing out the entire Sangheili species and splintering them into separatist groups that is what we'll be seeing in this game so the lore is kind of a little ahead but you know gotcha. whatever yeah. the species that made up the hemog hegemony H e g e m o n y hegemony 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 Jesus I know I was I literally had it and then I forgot it and then I had to like okay read. hegemony hegemony yeah known as the okay the species that make up the hegemony known as the covenant come f- from different parts of the galaxy and take all kinds of physical forms the covenant is organized into a caste system with their religious leaders the sa- the Sansuyum the or prophets at the top of the her- hierarchical pyramid. The Covenant Society is a single. Here's, an, here's that word again. Hegemony. Hege, hege, hegemonic oh, culture. <laughs> it is the culture that practices uh, imperial geopolitical dominance through implied means of power as opposed to direct military force. There are three Covenant castes that make up the unity the religious caste, warrior caste, and worker caste. The covenant culture and the religion is based solely on the worship and reverence of the forerunners. Long ago, the Sansuyum managed to decipher portions of stored data on terminals aboard a Forerunner Dreadnought. Thanks to the Forerunner's robust translation systems, they, they misunderstood the many subtle meanings of Forerunner glyphs. The Sansuyum incorrectly interpreted the activation of the Halo Array as means of transcendence, a process that they came to call the Great Journey. They did not understand that this activation had been designed to kill the flood or more precisely to kill the flood's food, creating a a galactic genocide. They simply thought that the forerunners had disappeared and left other species of the galaxy to their fates. Because of this, the coven often search and recover their artifacts and often have to turn to war to achieve these ends. In the Covenant society, personal vendettas are not tolerated, although many conflicts in the Covenant's past have been sparked by vendettas trio interesting so it is interesting just hearing like these the words for these things that they use that were kind of obviously well no but they are like they do seem like muslim and like or or islamic inspired like in the way of just like the sand soon like i wonder if like just hearing them talk about how they took about like that uh what was we that whole thing that we just the dervish the dervish, dervish. and stuff like that if they were also I feel like, pulling uh, from muslim religion and, and it's like yeah the they were, but like then also you got to even think about like this this came out when, did, when was this being developed 
2002, 2003. Okay, so this was, and then so it was after post 9-11. 9/11. Yeah, so it's just interesting to, like, you know, I wouldn't have thought about these, and now that I'm reading them now, they're saying that. It's like, maybe they did use a lot, like, of that influence in that. Culture. It's just interesting mm-hmm. to see, yeah, cultural influence. Like other civilizations, the Covenant maintains a permanent armed forces branch used to enforce order, conduct atmospheric and space combat operations, and generally project the Covenant's power onto others. Formerly led by the Sanghealy prior to the Covenant Civil War, which this game will get into, the Loyalist branches are now led by J- the Jirohani. The military comprises of the Covenant Navy, Army, and Special Warfare Group containing the Special Ops Division. The abilities of the various competent races are often exploited by the military to help push forward the ever-growing war machine of the Covenant. Uh, so in that title card, we mentioned Ages of Reclamation. So here's a quick... I was going to ask you about that there, too, and I'm glad I didn't. Ages of Reclamation. Yeah. The Ages of Reclamation were a series of events that in the Covenant history during which the true uh, the true search of the Halos began. It was the final age of the Covenant history, and as the Covenant split apart in the Great Schism at the conclusion of the Age, the Ninth Age of Reclamation was the time in which the Human Covenant War occurred and began when the minute... Sorry. Yeah. And the, the comma, the fucking commas. I know, it's so yeah. <clears throat> so, it, the ninth age of reclamation was the time in which the human covenant war occurred, comma, and began the, and began when the ministry of fortitude became the prophet of truth and declared war on humanity. So, so that is the, the covenant's calendar. That's interesting. There so, were, go ahead. No, that's no, it. go ahead. I was just curious. So, like, they know, they're talking about they want to go on this the great journey or whatever. So they want to turn them on. They just don't realize it's just going to kill them. Or yeah, do they? Right. They know they it's going to kill them, they, and they just think that's the journey. Like, well, the prophets know that they yeah. do, but they do, but they know they're going to die knows. too. Okay, I, but does he? I guess do they religiously be, really believe like? Well, then that will start the great like they are that like I, I believe like so. prophetical or what's the word I'm looking for or but like uh that. What's extreme? Not like extremist in a religious term. I can't. But anyways, fanaticism. Fana- yeah, they're, they're that fanatics where they're like, well, I know we're all gonna die, but that's still the start of the right. The I, great think, I think at a certain point, the prophet of truth, like, kind of like he definitely knows mm-hmm. what the halo rays do. Are do. To be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and of course, we got to talk about this big fucking mushroom ship thing in the sky. <laughs> 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 what is High Charity? High Charity was the Covenant's mobile planetoid spa- uh, station and the capital city known as the Holy City of the Covenant or the Prophet's Holy City. Effectively, it was the collective uni- uh, united homeworld. Uh, in the internal hub of High Charity lay an extremely large capital city. In its center sat the the anodyne spirit embedded within the city after the formation of the Covenant as a symbol of conviction and peace between the Sangheili and San Suyum. Is that like a ship? Yes, it is a forerunner ship. Gotcha. The city itself contained many uh, locations sacred to the Covenant, such as the Council Chamber, the Sanctum of Hierarchs, and the Mausoleum of the Arbiter. As a construct, High Charity was similar to the Unyielding Hierophant, and, and a repair and refit station, though it, it also served as a mobile command post, unlike the smaller Covenant vessels and their UNSC counterparts, High Charity contained many ca- courtyards and other non-essential spaces which gave this, uh, the station a terrestrial feel. The interior of High Charity was filled with the Covenant's unique architecture of a lighter tone uh, than, the naval, than the naval vessels. All the structures within the city floated above a methane-rich field in which millions of High Charity's ongoi lived. Uh, the massive towers around the dome were gigantic spires of volcanic rock, and the city's base interwoven with metal supports and covered a decorative alloy. 
they were used by the Sansuyum as offices and private residences. So, so all the grunts live at the bottom? Yeah. Wow. I guess that makes sense. Right? Really, yeah, they are the grunts. They really are the grunts. They, mm-hmm. they, 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 they're, they, they, they're the workers. Yep. They're the worker cast until they, I guess they need them for war, and then they're the grunts, literally and, and they're like, figuratively. Yeah, and they're just cannon fodder. Right. <sighs> so we get a close-up of high charity. Hundreds of Covenant's warships swarm around it. We fade to a ledge uh, across from the tiers of stadium-like seats. Several banshees patrol around it. The camera slowly zooms toward a door on the back of the ledge. A voice is heard. There was only one ship. Fade in, into the counselor chamber. Rows of honor guard elites stand at attention to a path leading to an end where a single Sanghealy zealot stands facing two high prophets explaining the past events to them. So this this zealot is Supreme Commander Thel Vadimi. Who is Thel Vadimi? Let's go into the dossier on who will be known as the Arbiter. If they came to hear me big, they will be disappointed. Thelvadim, formerly known as Felvadimi, often simply referred to as the Arbiter, is the Duro antagonist of both Halo 2 and 3 and a supporting character in Halo 5. Dur- can I just stop it? Duro antagonist. I've never heard that word before. That's interesting. What is that? I guess it's, it's like, like two. But like it's he's the no, antagonist maybe, maybe that you it's, actually it's play as? Dur- like, antagonist? Do it's Durotagonist? It's like duet. Durotagonist? Interesting. But no, I think it just means he's good and bad. He is the counter pro. He's he's your other protagonist, I guess. You can click on the word and it'll bring you to No, I was trying to to But I'm sorry, I did not mean to derail. It was just a word. Again, more big words that I didn't, you know. Straight out of the Halo Wiki, guys. Absolutely. The source of all this stuff. Thank you, Halo Wiki. Thel was born on Thel Vadim to... Wait. Oh, Thel right. was born yeah, yeah. Thel Vadim to the Vadim family. Okay. <laughs> Rulers of the powerful state of Vadim on Sanghelos. As a young Sanghili, Thel was trained in the ways of the warrior by his relative Lack Vadimi. He joined the Covenant military, earning him the right to use the suffix EE, which is added to a Sanghelian name upon joining the military. Thel fought alongside the Covenant when they attacked uh, Madrigal in 25. 25- 28. Soon Thel gained the rank of, of shipmaster and earned the title of Kaedon, 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 with his yeah. keep. Uh, at some point between 2535 and 2552, Thel's exceptional leadership and combat prowess earned him the rank of, of fleet. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm reading too fast. <laughs> Earning the prowess earned him the rank of Fleet Particular Justice's Supreme Commander. During his time as Supreme Commander, Thel was responsible for only for over one billion human casualties. The law... Nice. (laughs) Killer. The loss of at least seven human worlds and the destruction of over 123 human vessels during the fleet action. I guess it's not he didn't kill... He is responsible for the... Like, he... For the subsequent for the deaths. Death. He didn't yeah. kill them himself. That would be cooler if he killed one billion people barehanded. But near the end of his time serving as Supreme Commander, he led the victorious Covenant forces at the fall of Reach. As the battle ended, Thel ordered all ships within the command to follow the fleeing UNSC Pillar of Autumn. Following the Autumn's course led to, the, to them to Installation 4. Commanding the Seeker of Truth, he had his ships began evacuation of the Ring upon the release of the flood but the parasite managed to capture a ship and infect a minor prophet the prophet uh, <laughs> infect a minor prophet the ministry of 
etiology 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 yeah. the minister of etiology so there yeah. were minor prophets this I is the, this is during first strike by the way this is during first strike oh yeah. okay yeah uh yes i guess hmm. yeah i guess they have because we too. do see a lot of the sansuyum in that room that aren't prophets oh that's right yeah, so yeah, they, yeah there's yes. a bunch just they're they, like the all of them are Jimmy. like the higher highest tier. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah we're a racist society i don't know if we <laughs> mentioned real. that i'm like what the fuck, guys? I'm sorry. <laughs> the sudden widespread evacuation led to confusion as ships became infested, and he was unable to prevent the destruction of the ring and was forced to abandon it. The abandonment saved his life, but also resulted in the capture of the newly arrived flagship, the Ascendant Justice, by John 117, and he was called before the High Council to answer for these failures. Dun dun. So it's kind of like fucked. <laughs> That they're just like, yeah. Well, they, they well, they need a fucked up. They, well, and they also need a scapegoat. I think right. feel like is the idea. Like it's yeah. like it's it's the political. To- yeah. whole, totally like he is the fall guy. Ten percent. Yeah, he's yeah, like, oh well, he exactly fucked up. We're gonna fuck him up. So we've talked about the Sansunium for a little bit. In Latin, their uh, their name means worms of treachery. Oh, that's a, <laughs> oh, that's a good dig. Yeah. <laughs> So, also known as the prophets by humanity, these are a species who were the leadership cast within the covenant and one of the more mysterious member races of the hierarchy. Prophets appear to exert complete control over the religious and political affairs, thus fulfilling their role as leaders. The prophets enforce a misguided theology based on the false belief that their firing the halo array will start the great journey, transcending them into godlike status. Although physically frail compared to the other covenant species, they wield an absolute power over the covenant. They have a strong religious importance through the covenant, obviously. Uh, the prophets are extremely frail, possibly due to being adapted for a low-gravity environment. Uh, the supplemental book incorporated in the Halo 3 Collector's Edition suggests that inbreeding and lack of concern for physical health, perhaps suspended by the single-minded desire to achieve transcendence, uh, is probable response for this outcome. Hmm. So they just evolved over time and just gained, got it's, like... It well, reminds me of like... De-evolved. The, yeah, de-evolved. Well, you yeah, know, it yeah. kind of reminds me of the guys from one of the people in Wally. They're just sitting there. They don't have to do oh, anything. They're yeah. just there. They're Great like, comparison. That's yeah. what I mean. They're just yeah, they're getting real. fat and frail. Well, not fat, but they're just getting frail. Like, no, we they're don't fat. Need to, they're, yeah, they're fat. fat. They're fat. And they don't need to do. They don't need to do like anything. That. So the the prophets are just like, yeah, fuck you. But like, you could snap their neck in probably no time at all. As a representatives of the gods, the prophets hold a great amount of power over the other races of the covenant. They earn they earned reverential yeah yeah titles as such as holy one and eminence they are protected at all times by the mighty legions of the sangheili honor guardsmen and are rarely involved in in combat themselves they prefer to dedicate themselves to the study of forerunner artifacts however important events to the covenant usually require a higher ranking prophet such as a hierarch to be present for them devoting sorry for them devoting their their like their lives to studying forerunner artifacts he you feel like they would all pretty much know that what happens when you activate Halo. Yeah, you'd think so. Like, they... Right. Maybe that... Mm-hmm. And if you, I assume this is a pretty big brotherish society, so I guess the lower prophets maybe th- are, like, kept low, low... Like, you know, Scientology, mm-hmm. not yeah, until you yeah, get to yeah. the higher tiers. They ain't telling you, you find out the that truth. they showed up in, G- in seven jets to drop off souls in the volcanoes. Mm. So I think it would be a kind of <laughs> similar thing here where they'd be like, What? But anyways, yeah. The majority of the prophets use anti-grav belts to support themselves. Higher-ranking prophets, such as the hierarchs, a group of three prophets with total control of the covenant, use anti-grav thrones to support themselves. These, however, are not so much for the support as they are for personal defense. They are fitted with holographic emitters, emitters and energy shield generators and a teleportation device. 
and a built-in gravity cannon. It's pretty useful. In the event of assassins getting past their guards, they are able to defend themselves quite well. Hmm. Since the activation of the Halo Array, the Prophet's numbers have been dwindling. With the destruction of their original homeworld 3,200 years before the events of 2552, likely contributing to this. At the time of 2552, there were only two, 23, 23 million. million prophets. Only. Yeah, there's an exact number. Close to 24 million, but yeah. yeah. So there's 23 million existing. Uh, after oh. after the flood invasion of High Charity, their new homeworld, the majority of their species was consumed. So this is Halo 2 events, leaving less than a thousand alive. So you go to their homeworld in this game? No, it's oh, gone. It's, it's just, yeah. oh, okay, by this. So by the they're time. all on High Charity. Okay. They, almost all of them And this die. is, and this, oh, uh, when, but, okay. High Are Charity you, gets invaded by the flood. In this game, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. I, I'm real, dude, it is funny how much this game I really I don't remember. remember. Yeah, that's so funny. So yeah, pretty much uh, this cutscene, the prophet of mercy, truth, and regret are like drilling Thelvatomy about why he retreated, and I think he has a pretty pretty legitimate reason. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking and about the flood, right? Isn't the, 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 what's yeah, the, yeah. The, yes. them, them releasing the flood causes the covenant to flee, and they they leave. Is this does he reference Master Chief as like the demon in this scene? Yes. So mm-hmm. he says, by the, first the time, time I er- learned the demon's intent. There was nothing I could do. That's right. And that's the last line of his flashback. Do you hear that in the first game? Do you hear no. that? That's why I didn't this think is, so. So in this game, he is referred to as the demon. I don't think Master Chief is known to the Covenant until this. That's what I thought. To yeah. a certain degree, because now he is the last Spartan or one of them. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a little different of a dynamic. I will I guess. say, though, but at the time of this game, when it came out, he was supposed to be the last Spartan, right? Yes. Did, did we really didn't have any. Uh, I don't know. If first Strike. Yeah. First Strike is probably out at this point, right? I don't know. Yeah, I could yeah. tell you. But that book is before is in the middle of one and two. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So and we do have a Master Chief portion of this where Master Gunnery Sergeant recounts a chief that his Mark V suit was about to fail and really put it through its paces as you put on the brand new Mark Six. Just tell that to the Covenant. Yeah. I tell that like to the Covenant. The plating was about to fail. There's viscosity throughout the gel layer. Optics totally fried. And let's not even talk about the power supply. You know how expensive this gear is, son? Tell that to the Covenant. Like, this is messed up, your power supply. And he's like, don't even get me started right. on the power supply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, we're a month after Halo 1, and Chief is on a station, and yeah, he's getting a new suit. So we'll be in hit Mark 6 for this game and the next game. Gotcha. Um, um, are we... In, is this a space... This isn't a space station outside Earth, is it? I'm sorry, uh, my apologies. You're, I'm skipping you're, you're, you're gun, I am, I really am, because I'm so, like... So we put on the Mjolnir Powered Assault Armor Mark Sixth was the third generation of this version of armor. Uh, the suit was issued to the few surviving Spartan II commandos in October 2552, replacing the older Mark V. Despite the introduction of Mjolnir after the Human Covenant War, uh, Mark VI armor could also be requisitioned by Spartan IVs in 2558. So they're, they're tying in the infinite lore to the fact that this armor was made then, but you can still get it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it probably becomes famous because of the fact that Master Chief, Chief wore it. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. yeah so Spartans like want yeah, like, to, I don't know. I guess Chief. they can like do whatever. Well, I want to be like Chief, right? <laughs> I want that. Set. Put me in the Mach 6. <laughs> 
The Mark VI generation largely solved the problems with the previous generation's versions. It had an improved energy shield system powered by a smaller fusion pack on the wearer's back. The shield system is much stronger and charges more quickly than the Mark V's. The suit is also denser, yet less bulky armor plating. You can literally see that. Like, this armor is a lot more slicker yes. than the Mark V. Absolutely. A lot yeah. less boxy. Yeah. The suit is also... Uh, Hold on. Yeah. Does it have a bidet? We went over this. I know what they thought. But did it add a bidet in? (laughs) Bidet were bidets popular back then? Or forward or or forward forward then. then. Oh yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) They might have come back in style. Anyways, I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, the biggest change, however, was the inclusion of automatic biofoam injectors. With the introduction of the Mark Six, these biofoam injectors would have become integral uh, part of the Spartan's ability to function in battle. As medical gel is used to fill the seal wounds automatically. Although this process causes extreme pain, however, while biofoam also allows soldier to continue to perform his job without bleeding out, biofoam is only a temporary means of saving a person's life. I feel like you've seen biofoam, like a, a, a version of it in like a movie or something like that, like yeah. where they kind of it, fill. And them. it's in ODST. I mentioned. Oh, yeah. I, think I mentioned that in the first episode of Halo C. I don't know. When we were talking about health packs or something. Well, it's kind of funny. They they introduce a lore reason as to why. Oh, you yeah? don't have help. No, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, the armor doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's not. This is not you know said in the story at all. Right. Yeah, this you would is, never this know. Is just reading the wiki and yeah. the armor. Uh, in addition, the Mark Six's liquid crystal and hydrostat- hydrostatic gel layers receive significant improvements over the previous version. The liquid crystal layer increases the strength of the armor by a factor of five. In addition to the amplifying the user's reaction time by the same factor. The hydrostatic layer features a lockdown device which protects the muscles and joints of its Spartans wear from heavy impact injuries. This is used in the beginning of Halo 3. When, yeah. he, when he crash lands into oh, Earth. Oh, that's so right. He just and he's okay. just fine, yeah. yeah. Well, doesn't he, like, lock up, too? Isn't that the thing? Like, yeah. his armor, this, like, basically yeah. just... This is, that was what that was. That's was. cool. That's his cool. armor locks up so he yes. can hit the ground. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, like, at the beginning, like, um, I think Johnson, like... Hits something and his armor just goes limp. Yeah, yeah. yeah he like turns something off on him and he just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like, it's like I'm okay. Yeah. There's a little bit more information, but has we, a we've said a lot. It. It's better, all right. Yeah, it's and cooler and sleeker. So, do we all like the Mark Six more than the Mark Five? Yes. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's got a bidet in it, right? It's got. It has to. <laughs> and that is the end of the Heretic. So let's jump into level two, the Armory. This is the obviously the second level, as I just said, the first, which is playable. It is a short stage, mainly allowed for the player to get a feel for the game, and it has no enemies. If you are on Legendary Heroic, you don't play the Armory. Yep, skip right over it. Yeah. Really? So yeah. that whole... So this Wait, is again, which part? So the part, does it skip the, the entire part, part the, where, the, where you're in the... Gotcha, right, where he runs just, you through your diagnostics, yes, but then it right. puts you right onto right the right elevator with... Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, so again... It's still early O's. We still have these tutorial levels that aren't not mandatory, but if you're playing on lower difficulties, yeah, there. I guess nothing of sustenance story wise happens there. So why would you need to well, play? I mean, and, it's, and I the guess comment, just, the one thing I, I will guess say is that's true. The comment that uh, key, he makes about keys. Or, uh, yes, I'm gonna, yes, I got yes, it. Yes. I'm going to get to sorry, it. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry. So Johnson enters the armory to retrieve Master Chief for an award ceremony. So this guy in the tutorial is only Master Gunnery Sergeant. He doesn't have a name, he's just his rank. 
So Johnson, when are you going to tell me how you made it back home in one piece? Sorry, guns. It's classified. <laughs> son, son of my a bitch. ass. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, we, were talking, ass. we were talking about, you know, at the end of the last episode, like, how the fuck does Johnson get off this thing? Yeah, it's just, and he, he's just not referring. Him, yeah. him and Chief are the, like, main survivors, and there are a few Marines, you know, Chip Stubbo, yeah, Stubbo. So Of course, Chip Stubbo. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, like, like it is funny. They did just leave himself enough room to be like, he just made it off. Yeah. Like, you didn't see him die. You don't know what happened to him. He just got off. All right, so yeah, we're on the elevator. Um, the elevator stops and the door opens. The chief and Johnson get out to a, to board a small tram. It starts to move with a view of the crew of the Cairo station. You want me to be Johnson? I think uh, yeah, you yourself. can you can read. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't have a problem with that. Um, going about their business and the backdrop of windows displaying the station and the view of the stars. The planet Earth comes into view as the tram starts moving. Sergeant Johnson comments on things passing by the windows earth haven't seen it in years when i shipped out for basic the orbital defense grid was all but theory and politics now look the cairo is just one of 300 geosync platforms the mac gun can put around clean through a covenant occupied capital ship with coordinated fire from the athens and the malta Malta. Malta, yeah. yeah. Nothing's getting past this battle cluster in one piece. So to answer your question, yes, we are above Earth. Oh, that's fine. Well, no, it was just the way, it was funny, just the way you started out, I was like, did I imagine that this was over Earth? Like, that's why I... <laughs> uh, several UNSC ships drift past the station. Ships have been arriving all morning. Nobody's saying much, but I think something big's about to happen. The tram stops, and they walk out to join a crowd of cheering Marines, and that is the end of the army. <laughs> that was a tough one. That was a tough level. Yeah. Props to you beating her on Legendary Solo. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Good job. Good job. No. Wait, you literally can't. Like, it just skips over it, and you just get the You completion. just get the cuts, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm going to take a drink. Not going to lie, before we even get into Cairo Station, though, this one I was like, oh, I remember this level being boring wasn't boring at all. I really enjoyed it. I don't know why. Like, I just really, again, attest to, like, how much I don't really remember. Like, how Fuck much I drones. think I remember. I uh, the drones are... <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, I had to do it on Legend. I'll save it. I'll save it. Well, you didn't have to. Okay. I know. <laughs> all right. Cairo Station. This is a synopsis of the third campaign level of Halo 2, taking place in Earth's orbit on the Cairo Station. Master Chief and UNSC Marines... Whoa. UNSC? Yeah, I said that right. Yeah, yeah. you were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> UNSC Marines fight against... Boarding Covenant troops accumulating in the battle over Sangheili guarded bomb intended to destroy the station. So, yeah, you're probably asking, what is the Cairo station? Maltrio mentioned it in his little dialogue with Johnson earlier, but the Cairo station was an orbital defense platform in geosynchronous orbit about three, uh, 335,000 kilometers above Earth over the Egyptian city of Cairo. It is in the same battle cluster as the Athens and Malta, and it was commanded by Fleet Admiral Sir Terence Hood. So yeah, it is just a defense station for That's Earth. awesome. We get our cutscene. Uh, Master Chief and Johnson receive medals uh, for the Battle of Installation 4. Uh, Tartarus, along with the Brutes, bring Thel Vadimi to be branded as a traitor and a heretic. I really like that kind of... I can't remember. Didn't it like kind of shift back and forth? The parallel between, uh, yeah, between like them how two. it's like he's the, getting honored, honored and, and he's, he's being getting, disgraced. He's getting, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, very good. Okay, and by the way, I don't know if we said already, those updated cutscenes again. Mwah, they oh, look man. so good. Yeah. They yeah. Really yeah. Anniversary is like for two is like a completely different beast than anniversary of one. Absolutely. Like AAA yeah. blockbuster level. Easy. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about our boy Tartarus. Why? Are you trying to pay back? 
Tartarus was the last known chieftain of the Jirohani to serve in the Covenant. He was the Arbiter's primary rival during the Battle of Installation V and acts as the Hierarch's chief enforcer, or more accurately, Truth's second-in-command. Following the start of the Great Schism, he was the leader of the entire Covenant military, so pretty much at this point. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, he is also the tertiary antagonist and the final boss in Halo 2. Even... Even before the events surrounding the Battle of Earth, the Prophet of Truth trusted Tartarus enough to dismiss the Sangheili Honor Guardsman uh, in order to speak to him alone. Tartarus had scoured the wreckage of the Covenant Attack Coordination Station, uh, unyielding Herophant after its destruction at the hands of the Spartans during Operation First Strike. First that, Strike, yeah. The book. Um, Tartarus, all right. Yeah, Tartarus reported to the Covenant fleet, preparing to attack Earth, and was largely destroyed. And. And an artifact of the Forerunners was able to bend time and disrupt the slip space was also entirely lost. Almost entirely lost. Yeah, almost. Uh, the pilots had managed to recover three small chips of the crystal, which Tartarus presented to Truth. Tartarus was instructed to reward the surviving pilots well, then execute them all quietly to ensure Truth's plan remained secret from the rest of the Covenant. He was ordered to bring Supreme Commander Thelvatomy, who was unable to stop the destruction of Insulation 4 before the Council, to quote, his fate matched the magnitude of his failure. Tartarus branded commander uh, the commander with a mark of shame. Uh, some shame. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Some trivia. Tartarus is left-handed and wields the fist of Rukt, which is like the first gravity hammer. So the gravity hammer isn't in this game, but he has. He has one. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Tartarus was the name of the deepest part of the underworld or Hades in Greek mythology compared to the Christian hell where the worst criminals were sent. This was where uh, this was where Zeus, the king of the gods, imprisoned the Titans, and it was incredibly well guarded, having triple walls, river flames surrounding it, and three-headed hellhound Cerberus, ensuring no sinner would escape. Themes, metaphors, I love it. He is the only Jirohani to have ever had his name said in-game, and is the first in the franchise to be given a name. He is also the first Jirohani ever seen in-game. A lot of firsts, a lot of in-games here. <laughs> Monkey. There, There's a skull of on Tartarus's pauldron, which appears to be the upper half of a Sangheili skull, which was added to his shoulder pauldron during the Great Schism. I didn't notice that. I never noticed I that. Never noticed I never noticed this either. I'll go back and look. I, so. I learned that, yeah. You can see it. It's very well noticeable in the remaster. Oh, yeah. Not so much in, in the, the old. Yeah, in the, yeah, original, in the old, yeah. it just kind of looks... It's there. It's just there, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Got to squint a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> the view changes back to the Cairo's bridge. Dozens of naval officers cheer as John 117 and Spartan or Sergeant Johnson approach Lord Hood at the end. The Sp Spartan 117 and Sergeant Johnson are saluting Hood. Dossier on Fleet Admiral Lord Terrence Hood. Master Chief... You mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? He was a commanding officer of the UNSC Navy and the chairman of HICOM Security Committee. Hood was a decorated UNSCDF combat veteran and a British noble, even though he doesn't have a British accent. Mm -hmm. Which I guess in 2552, maybe accents aren't a thing. Yeah, anymore. maybe it's all like. <laughs> aren't there, is there no one in there in, in the whole Halo franchise with like an accent? No, the Australian, Mexican. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so, but accents, I guess what you, but, yeah, no, but yeah. But I, I read that, I'm like, British? Yeah, like, what? This is Ron Perlman. <laughs> Do you know that's who that's voicing? I didn't know that, no. Yeah, it's Ron Perlman. I have that in my trivia. But prior to December 2530, Hood served as James Cutter's XO aboard the UNSC Spirit of Fire, a.k.a. Halo Wars, um, where he was given command of the Halcyon-like 
Halcyon class light cruiser UNSC Roman blue. You said Halo Wars. Yeah. So this is Halo James Wars. Cutter is the main character. Oh, that's, in Halo okay. Wars. I knew, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had been. Them? Yeah, we won't be playing those yeah. games. We've been. Prom- he had been promoted to fleet admiral and taken a prominent seat in the UNSC security committee by September fourth, twenty five fifty two. In the aftermath of the fall of Reach, Hood received Lieutenant Wagner's report on the fall of Reach in the front of the committee. The admiral was interested in the fate of the UNSC Pillar of Autumn and its Spartan twos, and was dismissed or dismayed to find most of the super soldiers had been expended during the battle. Hood was also considered Wagner's petition to authorize a mission to search for the survivors on Reach. Yes. Hmm. So he's versed by Ron Perlman himself. Hellboy. 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 Hellboy is probably around this time. But yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like what he's. Is, what is Ron Perlman really known for? Hellboy. I think Hell. No, I think Hellboy is one of the big ones. Absolutely. Really? Sons of Anarchy. Sons, Sons of Anarchy. Anarchy. Absolutely. But I'm talking like before this. That's I really think this his is when he role? was. I really think that was like his kind of one of his breakout. I feel like in the way of mainstream. Bullshit. I mean, we can Google it. I, mean, but like, Google, I, gotta, but I, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. I don't right, know. But like we also weren't alive. Sure, but like no. that's when I hear people talk about Ron Perlman coming in. That's I feel like the first one. Even like older people I hear be like, "That's when I like." I don't know. I can't think of another Ron well, Perlman. Movie. I, I think of Hellboy. Yeah, yeah or, or, of course. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I do too. But like, I got beginning I, of Fallout Three. Doesn't yeah, do yeah, that, that yeah. is funny. He is the. He is that. That's guy. great. Yeah. Cortana says, "You look nice." Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Hood presents Johnson and um, uh, Hood presents Johnson with the uh, cur- uh, Colonel Cross. Colonial. Colonial. Thank you. You're welcome. God damn it. <laughs> Colonel. What the fuck Colonial. am I saying? Colonial. <laughs> the UNSC Colonial Cross is the highest ranking military decoration awarded to soldiers, Marines, sailors, and airmen in the UNSDF. Uh, the DF in UNSC is Defense Force. <laughs> Uh, the Colonial Cross is awarded for acts of singular daring and devotion and is the highest wartime decoration a UNSC serviceman or woman can earn. It is usually given out in a ceremony recognized as the person for who has won the reward. Um, Miranda Keys also gets this as well. Um, and so this is um, Hood's line. Commander Miranda Keys, your father's actions were in keeping with the highest traditions of military service. His bravery in the face of impossible odds reflects great credit upon himself in the UNSC. The Navy has lost one of its best. And um, Miranda is crying in this scene. Well, you know, you didn't. She's fine, you know. No, I know. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. She's like getting sniffly. Yeah. And <laughs> let's get into a dossier on Miranda Keys. Remote activation from here. Born Miranda Halsey was a commander in the UNSC Navy. Keys served as a commanding officer aboard both UNSC in Amberclad as well as forward on to Dawn and was the commander of the Human Expedition Force into Installation 00 in late 2552. She was the daughter of the late Jacob Keys and Catherine Halsey. She was born in 2525 to Catherine Halsey and Jacob Keyes. While living with her mother up until 2531, she was eventually sent to live with her father, changing her last name to Keyes soon after. When this game came out, was that known knowledge that she was her mother? Great question. Because I really, I, yeah. I don't um, well, the terminals weren't out in the original version of Halo so CE. May, so, so, interesting. so there's a chance that... That might not have been the original. I don't think. Thought. No. Yeah. Bullshit. Yes. It had to have been written in the lore. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Because she looks like Cortana. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cortana and her look alike. And Definitely. that's on purpose. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I would say yes, but maybe 
maybe we wouldn't know it, but right. like, sure. obviously Bungie. She would live on Luna, where her father taught at the Academy of Mare Nubian or Luna. Uh, okay. Yeah, or Luna Officer Cadet School. Uh, Miranda was accepted to the Academy's pre-enlistment training at the age of 16, and being the second youngest to ever attend the school, after graduating with honors, she immediately requested assignment to active duty. On April 5th, 2550, Miranda was promoted to the rank, rank, <laughs> the rank of Lieutenant Commander in a promotion ceremony downtown Quezon on Reach. Fleet Admiral Terrence Hood also personally awarded her the Silver Star, and it was announced she would assume command of the UNSC frigate, frigate in amber-clad. Immediately following the ceremony, Keyes was deployed back into active duty, having been postponed and a mandatory leave required for those receiving these promotions. Some trivia. Dr. Halsey believes that Cortana, Cortana looks partially like Miranda. In Halo 2, she has a scar in the shape of a number seven. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, where is that? Like, where is that at? I th I think it's only in the original. I don't know. Oh, okay. I tried to find a picture and I couldn't find it. I was like, "What the hmm. fuck are you talking about?" Uh, Miranda lived almost as long as the Human Covenant War, being born only a few few weeks after its start and dying on the day of its end. She was twenty seven. So spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> she God dies. damn it. <laughs> the view uh, the view changes back to high charity again, where a blackened uh, Sentinel combat. Sanghealy? Jesus Christ. Yes. Where a blackened Sanghealy combat helmet falls to the floor, and the naked Vadimi hangs limply from his restraints. A glowing brand rises from the floor behind him, and Tartarus grabs it and strides forward. Thel Vadimi raises his head weakly. Tartarus gives him a fierce look and presses the brand against the Sanghealy's chest with malice. The tortured Thel Vadimi fights the pain, but gives in and screams. There's a line about, um, I think, like, uh, Thelvatomy being like, you know, they won't hear me scream, and then like Tartar's like kind of like laughs and like, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, that easy brands them. The Covenant begin their attack on the Cairo Station and Earth. I'll be Master Chief Trio. You'll be Hood, and I'll be Master. I'll be, I'll be Johnson. Johnson. Let's do it. Go for it. Trio. One second, <clears throat> Lord Hood. All right, something's not right. The fleet that destroyed Reach was fifty times that size. I again, I'm sorry. They're yeah. going to try and take the take our Mac guns offline, give their capital ships a straight shot to Earth. Looks at John 117. Master Chief, defend this station. Yes, sir. I need a weapon. Right this way. <laughs> so that, that classic line. That, that classic, that, I need a gun. Johnson and John 117 lead the bridge as Lord Hood turns his back to the command station. Through the bay windows, they look up to the Mac cannon firing at the fleet to engage the Covenant attackers. Longsword fighters hurtled overhead... Uh, trailed by a marathon class cruisers. That scene where like the camera pans up and the ship goes right by oh, in the new graphics. It's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's amazing. So we gear up to defend the station. The level begins. We're, we're finally playing. We're finally, <laughs> we're finally playing. playing the game, we're in the game. This more, is insane. More story this time. Good. All right, let's pick up the SMGs. Yeah. You know they're on the cover of the game. We got. We can't forget that the cover is. Uh, Master Chief dual wielding SMGs. You know, I guess they're really trying to display. So like, like hey, this is weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Number guns, two, two guns, two guns Halo two, wield, like double the power. That is so yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> so the M7 caseless submachine gun, more simply known as the SMG, is a United Nations Space Command infantry and special operations weapon. It's a press version of the M7. Uh, 
gun known simply as the M7S uh, is also a thing. <laughs> the SMG has a polymer handle, folding foregrip, uh, classable buttstock, iron sights, and a titanium body. In Halo 2, the M7 replaces the assault rifle from Halo Combat Evolved. Both have a same, the same magazine size, rate of fire, and reticle. Really? How crazy is that? That is weird. It's really weird. Like, wow. like why even, uh, you know, they probably changed it to feature the dual wield. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, okay, like, if we can just make a submachine gun that's exactly like the, um... The assault rifle. Why, yeah, why not just yeah, take just it out? Yeah, do it, yeah. Uh, in Halo 2, when the player wields a single M7, the SMG stock is extended. When it's dual wielded, the stock is collapsed. All right, so this is the first time I think we're ever like talking about a video game mechanic here in this series. But yeah, dual wielding, as we were just mentioning, is introduced in this game and is in Halo 2 and 3. So we'll see it for two uh, games, and obviously it allows you to wield two weapons at the same time. Oh, um, didn't know that. We have, I wouldn't know that either. Actually. Uh, the advantages are enhanced firepower, um, greater versatility. Um, the two weapons can wield in conjunction, performing a multiple of rolls. <laughs> For example, you could wield the Magnum in one hand, and I guess as a Halo 3 reference, a Mauler in the other hand. So you have a, uh, a farther shot weapon and a close range weapon. Also, there's other combos like the Plaza Rifle, SMG, uh, the Plaza Pistol, and the Magnum. You get all those kind of... Um, gameplay options there you have double ammo reserve and there's constant fire um so yeah do you guys like dual wielding in this game or dual wielding in halo in general we're probably not going to talk about it in three um, like it's something new i use it sometimes yeah I mean, most of the time if i'm dual wielding anything it's the plasma pistol and probably the magnum kind of sucks in yeah this game. yeah it kind of does I, the magnum does in fact suck in yeah. this game. yeah <laughs> I, I gotta say i've been i usually i've been doing the uh the dual wielding plasma rifles so i feel yeah, like they it's, usually it's, do some good damage i'll only have the magnum for the for the uh, elites and stuff but sure switching between is way too fast way I, too yeah. slow and the so in turn yeah yeah the uh the disadvantages are we can't melee throw grenades or use equipment uh the, there's a reload and overheat window is increased uh accuracy decrease um, it consumes twice as much ammo and decrease in damage uh, per gun. So you do more damage if you're not holding two guns. But obviously you have two guns. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, also at this time, we are picking up the battle rifle. Here it is. Yep. Yep, the BR. I yeah. still can't believe this gun wasn't in the first game like i don't know why, why? like i really i don't know why i really just remembered it always being like a mainstay like from the, from the beginning nope. uh, yeah but it's you, you never know until you know as they yeah. say the br55 heavy barrel heavy barrel service rifle more commonly known as the battle rifle is a unsc infantry firearm the br is a select fire rifle first uh fielded in 2548 as an improved variant of the br55 battle rifle the br has a Seen service for over 27 years and the entire duration of the Cuban Covenant War. The UNICE employs the battle rifle as a medium range marksman rifle. It fires new 9.5 by 40 millimeter ammunition from a 36 round magazine, uh, which fits flush in the receiver. The magazine housing is built directly into the underside of the stock of the rifle. Again, it's a bullpup design. Most of the gun, I feel like most of the like rifles in this game are like bullpups. Seems I like think it. even the DMR is too. Yes. When we get to that. Yeah, so they, interesting that they, even though this is an American company, they go with like an American, not typical. Could you remind us what a bullpup is? A bullpup is when it re the, the magazine reloads in the stock of the gun. Gotcha. So not in the middle, like 
or in front of the trigger. Not, mm-hmm. Yeah, not basically at like, your handle where right. normally, yeah. Yeah, like most, Interesting. Of, most of Americans, American guns are made like that. Sure. Bullpups are like a European design. Interesting. Um, yeah, so you can put uh, a, an ACOG site on this as well as other sites, um, etc. Doesn't it, et in like Halo 4, I think, it doesn't have an ACOG. It has like a, a red dot on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I don't like remember the base, that. the base battle rifle. Interesting. Yeah, so you can put different sights on this. It has a longer barrel for increased range and accuracy, uh, trigger guard, etc. So some trivia: the marathon symbol is located on the gun's left side, to the left of the ammunition counter, displayed in roughly above the trigger guard and on the stock. I'll have to look at that. That's that's cool. Weta has made repli- uh, replicas of this gun and a few other guns, so you can... Uh, uh, oh, well, they made Weta. So you know what Weta is? Everyone, yeah. you know what Weta is? They make replicas of weapons and stuff for movies or props. Oh, for, okay. Uh, and stuff. So the Magnum, Sniper, Carbine, Gravity Hammer, Spike Grenade, Rocket Launcher, and Plasma Pistol are made by Weta and currently on hold to be used in the Halo f- series. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, to see what, yeah, Weta is like, they do props for the movies too. Like I'm pretty sure. So they're yeah, like, they, they make them to sell and, and they, also they oh, do okay. them for the movies. Yeah. yeah. And they're in New that's, Zealand. Yeah. And that's really? how that's, they did all the, the, uh, like Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings. stuff. That, and things I think like that's that. their claim to fame. Yeah. Gotcha. That, that's kind of what really kind of shot them into, into stardom. On the side of the battle rifle, opposite to the charging handle, there are two Chinese symbols, uh, which translate to monkey King. Cool. Interesting. Monkey gun. So, again, we're still gearing up. We're still at this first part. Uh, we kind of walk out into where the Covenant are going to be breaching us, and there's a turret. And I have some funny... This turret is actually kind of interesting. Um, but the M24 General Purpose Machine Gun, this is a lighter variant of the M247H Heavy Machine Gun, which is the turret in Halo 3. Gotcha. So, realistically... They didn't like the design of either turrets in this game, and in Halo 3, they made them better and detachable. Oh, yeah. I feel like the, the turrets in this game are almost, like, forgettable. Yeah, because you, yeah. well, you have to, yeah, exactly, you have to stay stationary. Uh, stationary, exactly. Yeah, I feel like they, they really redesigned them in Halo, and we'll talk about it when we get there, but they redesigned the turrets in Halo 3 to be much more, like, fun in gameplay. Sure, yeah, like, like, more, more the practical. Turret, the turrets in this game, like, I, I like, really don't, like, want to hop on them too much. I agree. Um, there's a lot of nitty gritty shit in this um, that I'm just not going to get into. Uh, it is like unnecessary. <laughs> I hear you. We're repelling the Covenant boarding parties and we're going to retake Cairo Station. That is the objective of this whole mission. Um, so w- the Covenant are getting into the uh, into the Cairo Station via ticks. And basically they're in Halo 1, but they're not seen. It's how they penetrate like um the like holes and windows they make like entry points or like in the where the space uh, the space pods the escape pods come out the they, like, they can attach mm-hmm. yeah. gotcha. so the type 28 intrusion vehicle also known as the tick is a covenant ship specifically designed for boarding enemy vessels uh the fleet of particular dustus use them to board the pillar of autumn um, this boarding craft was responsible for the destruction of the Athens and Malta stations as uh, they delivered troops to Cairo station attempting to do the same thing, but their their compliments were repelled. 
It's a weird way to say they got killed. (laughs) (laughs) The craft can be used in a variety of entry points, having burnt holes through the hangar bay windows or used the empty UNSC escape pod docking rings to board a vessel. The boarding craft is a reusable vessel and is able to leave the UNSC ship and return to the nearby cruiser uh, should a retreat occur. The vessel usually carried a complement of up to 10 or 8 to 10 Covenant warriors, typically Ungoy and Sanghealy. So we're out um, outside the windows. You can see uh, Halcyon Lightcraft cruisers identical to the Autumn, um, and you also see Athens and Malta stations, and they're destroyed. And you can kind of see the remnants of them. And mm-hmm. I think at this point, I think like right in, no, we go into a room after we're fighting for a little bit, and I think like Johnson says they got destroyed, and you can see them blow yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's like two or three of these. Isn't there like two or three of these rooms they got to like defend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're, and then you find out, like, once those are destroyed, oh, they're planting bombs on these things. Mm-hmm. That's how they're blowing them up. They're yeah. going to do the same thing here. The new objective is uh, we get that bomb off the, the station. Bomb. We get to the tutorial room. Our first death of the game, or the first like official death, the tutorial room guy gets killed by the elites. Tear. Sad. Terminals in this room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's go it, for it. It's just um, I didn't really write anything down. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's just about. What fellow Adamy was doing beforehand, where he um he started out as like a miner and worked his way up to right. be. We kind of talked about it earlier, where he commanded the fleet of particular justice. Gotcha. So it kind of yeah. fills in his backstory, which Locke, we gave earlier. Locke is pretty much researching the Arbiter. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, I should have said yeah. It's narrated by. Yeah, that's by, that uh, makes sense. That's cool. Locke. Yeah, yeah. It's like to the when you come up after he dies, it's to the left. It's like flashing red. To the left. Different. To the left. Sorry. It's okay. Beyonce <laughs> takes over sometimes. So the, uh, there's another. So here's our plasma turret, uh, the Type 42 directed energy support weapon, otherwise known as the plasma cannon. It is an automatic plasma turret in use by the Covenant up until the late 2552. It was later replaced by the Type 52, which is just the detachable <laughs> In early builds of Halo 3, the Halo 2 era plasma turret was used in a placeholder before the Halo 3 era plasma turret was finalized into the game. So. It looks like they didn't really bring them in mm-hmm. necessarily. It's I wonder what it's it's kind of funny. Like we were just talking about how the gameplay is so much better when they're detachable. Yeah. No. Well, again, like you're like it's you're living this stationary thing that's cool to use for a moment, but it doesn't sense once you kill the three people that are going to run at you at that spot, you can't really do anything with. Who it. wants to stay still and shoot? Absolutely. You know? Right. Psychopaths. That's who. <laughs> so we get into this some space fighting and we run into our first elite rangers. The Sanghealy Ranger is a Covenant Sanghealy special warfare group member of a high uh, of a class of highly skilled fleet security soldiers who focus on extravehicular activity, also known as EVA warfare. Uh, while able to fight in most theaters of war, their specialization in zero gravity combat means uh, they are more sparringly used in other engagements. Um, after this, did you guys notice the dead ODSTs on the ground? Yeah, that was one I of the didn't, things I picked actually, up. No. Yeah, yeah, this is the first time you see you an see ODST. ODST yeah. yeah. So are they are ODST like Spart like ODST than Spartans? Are they below like like are they're they pretty yeah. Marines? They're above yeah. like they're kind of like the in between that aren't quite Spartans. Yes. Right. Interesting. I would, uh, th- that's yeah, a good I would class. Totally yeah. think that's a that's a good way to see them. Gotcha. Um, it's kind of funny. There is like a big leap between the two, but. I think you're right because I'm trying to think of any other like 
like a, elite, uh, like like a fight seal team, team six type right. of like. There's no like. There's no like the the ODST are are the seals, right? Yeah, and it yeah, seems I like almost so. like the ODST are like as good as you can get with normal humans. Yeah, is the idea like yeah, yeah, without like yeah enhancements. Meet the drones, Yanme, known by the humans as drones or buggers, and are a, are a race of a of sentient flight capable insectoids who make up part of the alien religious group known as the Covenant. Their mastery of anti-gravity-assisted flight has given them an almost insurmountable strategic advantage in combat. So we don't find out about these guys until this game, correct? Like they, right. yeah. But they have ex- the ideas in lore. They've been with them. Or are they a recent addition? They are one of the most recent additions. Gotcha. You'll, you'll see that. In Sounds the, good, yeah. In the I know, it's almost like you wrote out a whole description on them or something. <laughs> uh, Yanmes are human-sized insectoid creatures That's that scary. are covered. Yeah. I know. That's a uh, human-sized bee coming at you. <laughs> no, fuck no. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, insectoid creatures that are covered in a natural chitinous exoskeleton that affords them limited armor protection against modern weaponry. Weaponry. The Yanmei's typical mount. Uh, they typically mount small anti-gravity devices on their exoskeletons to assist them in flight. It seems like the other covenant. Uh, uh, it seems like the other covenant species that the Yanmei share a ranking system from the from the colored plating on their exoskeletal armor. Uh, they do not interact with the other species except to trade and serve in military capacity. The exact position of the Yanes uh, in the Covenant hierarchy are relatively unknown, although it is reasonable to speculate that they are higher ranked than the Ungoy, King Yar, but lower ranked than the Sangheili and the Jir- Jirohani. Jirohani. That makes sense. That they're no, it does. definitely it, it's, like middle it, of the pack. It's really interesting. The, yeah, they're just there. They're yeah, no, really... they're just like they're just kind of like we're getting by. We're doing that. They don't see. It. Is there actually there, we'll the, the, the more entries get it again into it? But yeah, like sure. it, it's interesting that like the drones like literally just don't have anything to do. Like they don't seem to socialize and like to get into it. But like yeah, they're just kind of like on their own. But they're in the covenants. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. It's weird. The Yanmei drones. are a. You social social species, meaning their society usually consists of a single reproductive queen, alien, uh, alien like uh, a a single reproductive queen, reproductive males and non-reproductive females work and uh, work workers and or soldiers. Uh, That's where I get the bee thing from. Yeah, like worker bee. Yeah, no, and that that makes that makes total sense. Uh, They were one of the newest races to join the covenant and uh, and are respected by the other covenant species for their natural intelligence, obedience, and technological skill. Uh, They joined the covenant in the year one thousand one hundred and twelve, much like the Ugoi and the Malgaco. How do you say that? Galagolo or is it Gal? That's an easier way to put it. Yeah, the hunters. They are a conquered race that was forced into service under by the covenant. Despite this, unlike the two former species, they remained with the covenant, uh, with the covenant loyalists during the Great Schism. They strictly follow the covenant religion and obey every command without question. Yet, do not participate in the social norms due to communications difficulties with other species. They view the prophets as queens, uh, a remnant of their former hive lifestyle. So, what does that mean? They don't have a queen anymore. I guess not. But then, how would they reproduce? I don't know. I don't think. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe they reproduce with the prophets. Um, well, they don't. Maybe look, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe that there's some be, weird shit going oh, on God. with the covenant. A little trivia for you: the weight of the drones was exact was averages around seventy-seven kilograms, furthering uh, a reference to the bungee's love for bungee's love for the number seven. All right, um, we got some cutscene here, so we we're pretty much moved through the level, and we're kind of at the end. Let me see. We, we're, I, we're busting our way through the station. I we're will, trying to get to this fucking. Bomb. I will. I will narrate. Uh, we need. 
I'll be Cortana. I can be I can be Mr. One One Seven himself. All right, and I'll be I'll be I'll be Keys. Right. Cortana's holographic avatar appears on the pedestal near the bomb. Me inside your head now. John One One Seven touches the pedestal, and Cortana downloads directly into his armor. Uh, he steps over the bomb and touches the flashing red activation pad at its center. It blinks and turns blue. How much time was left? You don't want to know. Cairo, this is an amber clad. The view changes to the bridge in, in the amber clad. In, uh, in the, the view changes to the bridge of in amber clad. That's, that's tough. That is, that's the name of the ship in amber clad? Yeah. yeah, in amber clad. That's funny. The carrier's shield is down. I'm in position and ready for immediate assault. The view goes back to the Kyber's bridge, showing Lord Hood alone. I'll be Lord Hood as well. Negative, Commander. Not against a ship that size. Not on your own. Sir. <laughs> the view changes Sir. back to the bay, where Spartan 117 is awaiting, uh, waiting with one hand on the bomb. Permission to leave the station? The v- we go back to the Kyber bridge. For what purpose, Master Chief? To give the Covenant back their bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that Lordo goes, permission granted. Sir, permission to leave the station. For what purpose, Master Chief? To give the Covenant back their bomb. Permission granted. Yeah, that was so <laughs> good. It, this yeah, was really dude. like the moment that like I truly was the, like, this, this is Halo. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This yeah. is so good. Yeah, we're capping off the first level with like a fucking... Awesome cutscene, especially in the anniversary. Oh man, it looks like, so good. The comparison to his size when he's going past like one of the it's ships. It's amazing. Like the oh, even I gotta say, even the old freaking cutscene still like. Don't get me wrong, it's not like it's, you can't match it's not that new one. It's cool, yeah. <laughs> but like it's still like I still remember having the same visceral reaction when playing this game. When I first, I was like, oh, that was so fucking cool. Yeah, he like shot, shot through, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I've so. Let's talk about what, uh, this is the, pretty much the end of the level before we get to the last bar. How do you guys feel? We're one level into Halo 2. How are you feeling? I'll, I'll check in halfway in, but like you, we weren't too hot, or you guys weren't too hot on Halo Combat Evolved. This is just like a, a step up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the, yeah. the story is there. You get the, the paralleling story between Arbiter and the Chief. Yeah. Truly, uh, it's just a lot more yeah. going on. Yeah. A lot more. And Absolutely. It, and I think that just says within the length of the episode how much I was reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got tired. No, it's like, true. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot more story. Absolutely. On. Right out the gate. I'm just like, that's, I can't even, all I'll do is repeat. You got, like, the story is just so much more there. You're not just running through these kind of more empty levels, just to getting point to point B, B to, to get this thing from that. Mm-hmm. You can see that they really were like, all right, let's explore this lore and let's kind of really dig into it. And that Covenant start off just with the Arbiter getting branded and whatever. Like, yeah, we know, it, it, we know, it sets the tone. We know a little bit more about the Covenant. The Brutes, who are, are new as of now, like are seem to be taking over. We're going to see a few more scenes of, of, of that being evident like later. Um but yeah, we're getting our main like our main covenant character is being branded, um, and we will see what happens to him later. But I um, did think it was kind of interesting how that other pro like and oh, I guess we don't get to that yet. I'm, what I'm what had a, uh, like when they actually like the part where they turn him into the arbiter? I'm forgetting. Like we're, I'm yeah, forgetting. that's uh, that's not, not yet. Later. But yeah, yeah we're, I was forgetting. Yeah, because it's like it's kind of like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I could see why I get confused. The timeline, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, arbiter doesn't get turned into arbiter just until yet. until you get to his the level. arbiter level. Yeah, yeah. So I like uh, I like the part where right after he the bomb detonates and he, chief is flying through Jesus, space. Sorry. Um, 
he slams into the in in amber cloud. And he's like, for a brick, he flew pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I love that. So Chief gets back on in amber clad. It banks hard and dives towards Earth's atmosphere. A massive gray city along the eastern African coast comes into view. I'm pretty sure we're in Mombasa. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. Mombasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where a lot of <laughs> the events on Halo or the events in Halo on Earth take place in Africa, near and around Mombasa. Yep. Um, so that'll that'll be on next episode where we did, we do outskirts and metropolis. And Gooch, I can't fucking wait. That does it for yeah. us on this episode of Re3, where we had a great time talking about the first couple episodes of Halo 2. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been a lot of fun. We hope you continue this journey with us. You can find this podcast everywhere podcasts are found. Spotify, iTunes wherever tell us if it's not there we'll try and see what we can do uh we are on the social medias at delco nerds uh you can email us delco nerds at gmail.com what else all this information can be found on our website delco nerdnetwork.com we also have a nice fun discord thank you chris it's a lot of fun we just shoot the shit on everything from halo to Zack snyder's justice league so come hang out come <laughs> chat it is a great fucking time Gucci for gooch he is for <laughs> gooch for chris i've been trio thanks for watching guys stay nerdy and we will see you next time